All right. Hey, this is Noah Elias, and I'm with Brent Weideman, a great buddy of mine, and uh, I'm glad to have him on the show. Thanks for everybody that's been watching these episodes and uh, watching on YouTube, but also listening on the podcast, and just want to say thank you. Um, I want to respect your time, and this is not spending time. This is not wasting time. This is investing time into helping you live and create a life by design. So just want to say, Brent, thanks so much for coming, dude. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, we go back. Why don't you give them a little bit of recap of, uh, how we met and, uh, how we worked together. And, um, I don't know, just give them a little bit of background so they have a context of who you are and why in the world we're doing this together. Yeah. So we met, gosh, what, probably seven years ago, got introduced by Bob Shank and, yep. um, first engaged with you from like a coaching perspective and, uh, really a friendship kind of blossomed out of it. I, I always say like, I am fully artist, uh, but I can't hang out with artists for too long because it's like, hey, can't you monetize this? Can't you set goals? Can't you be on time? And then I'm fully business, but then I can't hang with them for the, the entire time because I'm like, hey, can't you think creatively outside the box and really a bridge builder between the two of those? And the only other person I know uh, that operates like this is you. Uh, I would say uh -huh. I first viewed that as a very isolating thing, uh, but then when I really realized that it's a superpower is where uh, things really took off. Awesome. Yeah. So give them a, a little bit about Bible Bells, Truth Becomes Her, you serial entrepreneur, um, but you know, you have a passion for a specific demographic. And um, I've had, you know, knowing your guys' story, it's been beautiful to watch when with helping coach you and Aaron and just watching the journey of being in your corner of seeing it evolve from you guys kind of starting out one way, but then it evolving into a multifaceted kingdom driven entrepreneurs, both of you, and then your family living on mission, using your business as a mission. That doesn't happen by default. That happens by design, which is so perfect for the show. So tell us a, tell us a little bit about, it wasn't always where it is now, but tell it like origins to how it kind of evolved to that. Uh, our attitude and, and uh, mentality was not always that way uh, as well. That's right. Um, so yeah, I would say my wife and I, Aaron, started a publishing company uh, based upon a need that we saw in the marketplace to uh, focus on female heroes of the Bible for young girls. And really, I think the two things that we saw, one, where we were pretty... Um, pretty bummed out by the majority of, of Christian stuff that was being produced at that time. It definitely was yeah. not on the same level as the rest of the world. And my wife and I are like, hey, if um, we're truly competing against the rest of the world, we need to be doing it at the level that they are. And so yeah. I would say that. And then also too, just from the traditional publishing, we just saw a lot of uh, pretty antiquated industry and um, not a lot of risk taking. And so we actually kind of decided to not only self-publish, but start our own publishing company as well. Um, hmm. And yeah, had the idea. It was a side. It was definitely a side hustle. We had zero interest in turning that into a, a, um, a company. We were uh, making great money working for other people, and it really um, just had some pivotal moments, uh, multiple pivotal moments of God just raising the bar and calling us to continually step up and step into our calling. And I think it then got to a certain point where. God really kind of was like, I'm doing this, you know, and dragging us along and where we really changed our mentality, um, got a hundred percent on board. And then everything became, you know, we have no plan B we are all in this, everything that we're mm. doing, even within our publishing company and outside of it in our family and our businesses. Um, we wanted to have kingdom ROI. Okay. So let's, let's back up and kingdom sure. for those of you that don't know, KROI is kingdom return on investment. 
Um, and I just think it's awesome that we can unpack this because I know your story so well. Um, I, I say, tell them the story about the check. Tell them the story about when you went all in. Aaron's cancer. It wasn't roses. Share the underbelly major moments right there. And you could just do them in bullet points. Doesn't even sure. need to be explained very far. Um, married to a multiple cancer survivor, um, walked into uh, dating her right after the first one. So I, it wasn't by surprise, but I definitely did not realize what that ultimately would entail. Um, but it really changed my perspective on everything. Um, I just don't care anymore. Um, and I think that when you kind of dance the death line and all these different things, the, your priorities, you know, get whipped into shape very quickly. Um, so I think that's a beautiful thing. Everyone wants to have the fruit that comes from suffering, but no one wants to suffer. Um, what are the beautiful things that came out of suffering? I would say we have an incredibly strong marriage and our marriage was tested multiple times at all times during the first multiple years of our marriage. Um, Hmm. and then also too, is that when you have nothing but God to lean on, it's a, it's amazing. And I just have seen God come through in amazing ways and it strengthened my, um, spiritual muscle and Hmm. matured me and just showed me a side of God that I, you know, most people don't get to see. And so, um, that's one bullet point there. I think the story with the check, uh, just keep it super brief. We were trying to like, everything is with us is within stages. God's always just dragging us along. Um, but really I kind of quit my job and, and we flushed our retirement savings to launch our company. And then essentially Aaron was still working. So she's working full-time teaching and then racing home on her coffee breaks, which she wasn't supposed to be doing to record, you know, podcasts with major people and writing all the content over the weekends. And really essentially just, we got to a point where it, it was just not sustainable. We were at a, an yeah. event, um, we had a guy that essentially came up to us and, um, I had a great conversation with us. I kind of shared 20 minutes about what we were doing and everything in between, um, some things that were going on. And then basically, um, let, he left and I never thought I'd speak to him ever again. And so I told my wife, Hey, like uh, the next weekend I was like, Hey, we need to have a business meeting. Uh, our one-year-old at the time was asleep. So we had a great time to have a conversation. I just said, you need to quit your job. Like I, I really, all the things I detailed, I really feel like God's calling us to, to go in all in on this. And you, we're not all in because you're not all in right here. Um, mm. and really like, you know, I just said, you know, she's like, you're insane. We're living in coastal Encinitas, uh, in San Diego you know, on, yeah. on a teacher's salary. Uh, totally. and so it's like, you know, we, we can't afford to live on this salary, let alone no salary. And yeah. I just said, let's pray about it. And she's like, oh, like, we, we'll pray about it. You're going to sit right here while I pray about it. And I love right. hearing her tell the story. It's so much better. But she just prayed and just was like, you know, I want the, I'll be, I'll be obedient, but I want the clouds to depart and uh, to part and dove to descend. Mm-hmm. I need a clear sign, essentially what she's saying, um, that you want me to quit. And so uh, it was pretty amazing. We, we prayed that prayer. And then a couple hours later, we're sitting around the dinner table and I get up randomly to uh, check the mail because that's what I do during dinner time is check the mail. Cause I'm great. ADHD. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, like, it's convenient on this. Yeah. And, um, there's a check and a letter from, there was a letter from the guy that we had met at the event and just said, you know, God, Brent and Aaron, God is, uh, weaving together a, um, just a collection of people that are pursuing God at all costs. Keep focusing on God. He'll take care of the rest. Here's a check for $10,000. Don't worry about rent for the next couple of weeks and, uh, or next couple of months. And, it was amazing. And I think the most beautiful thing about that story, and it's a super condensed version of it, is that that the mail came at 11. 
the prayer was about one or two. So that prayer was already answered. That check was already in the mailbox mm -hmm. before it was prayed. Well, and it's such a great reminder. And we have, that's a highlight, you know, great thing to talk about, but we have these yeah. also very small miraculous things that happen all the time. And it's a great thing. And Aaron always talks about, you know, building altars uh, mm -hmm. within our testimony of these different things. And when you do that, it's really great when you do hit a time where you're struggling in your faith or you can't see the next step or whatever to turn around and go, gosh, this is where God has come through. And so yeah. obviously he's going to come through again. And yeah. that's just, yeah, we call it his thumbprints, right? Thumbprints are all over it. And you look back and you can just see his provision, his sovereignty. Um, what I think is really incredible though, too, is like you guys had, you kind of went all in all the time, and then, you know, so you're, you were leaning into this like first part of the phase was, you know, operation, cut the tie, boom, you cut the tie. Then it was like operation, not just simplify, but you're, you guys, that's when I kind of came into the picture. It was kind of like restructure. It was, we're going to launch this initiative. We're going to launch this brand. We're going to do this thing. We have a heart for girls and um, you're going to leverage all that. And so things, there was like this new thing that was starting but there was also Operation Simplify because you as a family, the infrastructure of your family, you guys had a heart for children of your own. That plays a big part of your kingdom assignment. And I think it's important for everybody to hear that because it's one thing to say, hey, we're quitting all our job and going all in. It's another thing to say, we're going to restructure, launch a new brand, get our life simplified while at the same time wanting to upgrade with children in our own life and the challenges that come with that. Yeah. And we have multiple girls, uh, and just adopted two, two more. So we have four girls now total, um, which is amazing. We were not, we were told we couldn't have kids in the beginning and we've been blessed with two and then blessed mm -hmm. with, uh, we were expecting one baby, uh, for our adoption and got two little girls, yeah. and, um, late last year. And, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I just think God just continues to raise the bar um, with what we're doing. And I think we're very intentional and very strategic with these things. But ultimately, I think the restructuring that you're talk, kind of talking about was where we stopped and went, okay, well, we're making an impact kingdom-wise um, here with our company, but also too, like, what does the rest of our our, our life look like? And so yeah. in you know, our family, but also outside of it with our giving, um, with our posture to gratitude, with everything that we're doing with the relationships that we have. And so we really went from, I think in the, in the beginning, the biggest thing I could think of was Bible bells. That's all I could think of. And really God just opened up a huge, just window for us where it's like, gosh, like our kingdom assignment, like what God's calling us specifically to do is so yeah. massive and so awesome. And it's also so niche and like very different than yours and very different from other different people. Yeah. But it's like, that's right. I think the, understanding the two major things that really helped with this one is understanding our giftings clearly understanding mm -hmm. our giftings that 80 20 principle what's that 20 percent that makes up 80 percent of the fruit the roi the you know finances etc only doing that surrounding ourselves with people that are doing what we're deficient in but more importantly their gifting is what we're deficient in so there's totally. exponential growth on there and then also too of going like god what are you calling us to do like there's yeah. a, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of different things and it can be overwhelming. And I don't think that, I think social media, the bad thing about it is like, we're supposed to care about every single thing all the time. And I, that's just not a sustainable way of living. So it's no. like, okay, like God, here are my giftings. Here's what I'm supposed to do. And then who am I supposed to serve? And I think that's the beautiful thing that that's not, it's, 
we've established that, but that is an ever-changing thing and it changes. Mm -hmm. And we're always mm -hmm. praying that two things, one, God, break, please break our hearts for what breaks yours. And two is that with everything that we've gone through, please put the, these different people, we're uniquely qualified to serve a certain type of person. Please put mm -hmm. those people in our path. That's right. So it's like been beautiful as we, you know, we have a nine-year-old now, two, three-year-olds and a two-year-old. So most of our conversations from a, like a giving generosity standpoint are really only happening with Rooney, our nine-year-old, but it's been beautiful yeah. to see because it's like, okay, we have this giving portfolio here. We support these churches, parachurches, ministries, missionaries, et cetera. But like for me personally, I don't care that much about giving financially. Like I do it, I can write a check and everything, but like uh, where I come alive is where I can really use my giftings, where yeah. I really, the, what I operate on is relational equity. So how can yeah. I leverage my network? How can I leverage my giftings to help other people, to be a rocket booster to other people's callings, to other people's ministries? And we've yeah. invited her into that. And so we have like great examples of like where there are some things where it's like, I'm really gung-ho about this. And there's other beautiful examples where it's like, you know, okay, like we have a ministry out of Atlanta that we love. She is safe. And it's a trafficking ministry that rescues, mm -hmm. you know, women and girls yep. out of very horrible places. Well, like yep. we all, Aaron, myself and Rooney all have a heart for this ministry. And we've all been able to do different things. Aaron was the keynote speaker at their fundraiser. I went awesome. in and, and did um, consulting and strategic advising for um, their board. And then Rooney even spoke at their fundraiser. And so it's awesome. like, it's so cool that we're able to do all these different things together and where our heart breaks for this, but then we can go, hey, we can take actionable steps towards, towards this. We can financially give, we can use our talents, we can use all these different things. Okay, so it's beautiful to see it, you know, the cylinders firing. Uh, I do want to talk about mindset. Um, because being a, a an entrepreneur is one thing. Being a kingdom-minded entrepreneur, it just seems that there's more at stake. And you and I have uh, really unpacked this, you know, the kingdom operating system. But faith really being the currency of what we're after. You know, we can look at metrics and measure, you know, balance sheet, uh, profit and losses and things like that on a very tangible physical world part. But at the end of the year, a real successful year for us is saying, where did we grow in our faith? How much more faith have we grown in this year? And how much, how much have we been stretched? What comes on the back of that for me, though, of what I witnessed you guys do is the cost of admission, the price of the admission of really what it costs to do that, what that means mentally, um, physically, your pace, what you're exposing yourself to, really what is required to do it. Dude, I've watched you over the last five years grow up in faith, and I just commend you and affirm you both on that because um, it's not easy, but you are the tangible proof that it's possible. Can you speak into that a little bit of, Yeah. yes, it feels like a highlight reel, but honestly, there's the underbelly of what it takes to get there as well That's that's realistic, but that's the price of admission, and I want to talk about, I want you to talk into that. Yeah. So, well, thank you for saying that. Number one. And number two is like entrepreneur, like everyone loves to say, I'm an entrepreneur. It's such a sexy thing. It's not sexy. It's so ugly. It's so ugly. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, you know, you want to, you know, and I even fall victim to this because I do this on occasion, but just like the, the social media is just this highlight reel where it's not like, you know, I'm not posting that I'm crying in the fetal position in the corner this morning. You know, no one's really being yeah. honest with these different things. Yeah. And it, it really perpetuates a false yeah. narrative. For and sure. so it's just, it's so false. Um, it's so hard. It's so hard. Um, 
it, it is definitely, I think going back to what I said before, just the, the faith has grown from suffering, from going through hard things, um, mm-hmm. from, from stepping out where we're terrified to, to even make the next step. Um, yeah. it's so challenging. It's tested yes. our marriage. It's tested, you know, e- everything. And so I think mm-hmm. what's the cost of mission? It's everything. It's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, it's in, at that one point, I want to say it's, it's, it's so it's impossible. Like it's impossible. Like you can only do it with God truly, but at the same time, is it worth it? Like a thousand percent. Like we choose this every single day, every single day. we yeah. choose this. Well, and, and in TMP, you know, you're talking about the unique abilities going all in though. I really want to, I want to, I really want to say, uh, and have you speak to this, this, this one thing that, you know, we both are aware of, but I really want to hone in and make sure that viewers can, can, can capitalize on what they're going to learn right now. And that is this, yes, you're going to die to self. Yes. You're going to take your dreams, your ambitions, your selfish ambition, your desires, your agendas, all of it. And you're going to put it on the altar and just let it fry. But at the same time, you've completely surrendered, given over, abandoned, just burned it, the Isaac moment on the altar. But at the same time, the Lord saying, however, I don't want you to divorce your unique ability of the way that I've wired you. And I'm going to use you for my glory using that. So it's equal 100% burn it at the same time. I have to own my lane of what God has wired me to do. So I, I think that that beautiful balance and tension, Brent, is really what you can speak into right now is to say, if I'm going to go all in, does that mean I don't do crap? I just literally wait for everything to fall in my lap. I just wait for stuff to arrive on the door with the doorbell from Amazon as here's your, here's your assignment. Here's your, here's what you're supposed to do. What I love about you and Aaron, which is why I love working with you guys so much is you can be guided because you're moving. You're willing to step into risk. You're willing to step into danger. You're willing to own your strengths. You're willing to say no. You're willing to say yes to the right stuff, no to the wrong stuff, and own your lane of your unique ability. Speak into that a little bit, because I think viewers need to hear that abandoning self, getting rid of self, while at the same time owning what you've been called to do. Yeah. So I would say a couple of things. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, One is that like our, I think speaking about ourselves, our natural impulse is to risk and like the speed at which we're doing things is that we run. So for example, we pray for doors to be closed because we are running. I would say Mm -hmm. not everyone prays that way or acts that way for a little while. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We're going. We are never sitting. We're always going. And I think that like half of it is taking that step, even when you don't, you don't know. And then God is, you know, going to show it, show you that next step. And I think the biggest thing, and I have this tattooed on me is just keep going. And like, it's some of the best advice that I've ever received ever. And so like, there are days where like I run a marathon and, but there are days that I take an, I hold my ground and I take an inch step and I'm more proud of those days than I am about the big ones. Yeah. yeah, And so like, really, I think it it is taking that next step. Um, it, it, we, we are constantly moving. We're constantly going towards what God's calling us to do, regardless of, you know, how, how that looks. Um, Mm. I also too think that like, 
the reality, if we were to like sit and like look at my life, I have zero examples of anything that I have dreamed up. And I'm, I have no problem with vision. I have no problem with vision. I think it's like executing upon the vision always of making smart decisions, but I don't lack vision. So it's like, but I have not a single example of, of my plan being better to, than God's plans ever. So mm. like, but I'm also like, it's this, I, I had to learn this because I'm, I'm a Enneagram three type a control person. And so it's like, but when I look back and go, okay, I have no examples of this. And then I have yeah. all these examples of like, I live in Montana. I have four girls. Like these different things are going on. Like I'm sitting at these tables. These doors are opening and then a million years. I never thought I would be. Yeah. I'm able to let go of that and be like, gosh, I don't want what I wanted before. I only want God, what you want us to do. And I think yes. like that mind shift is like, it's letting go and it is dying a self. And it's sometimes a daily thing for me, but I can yeah. definitely look back and be like, I, I'm, I, I'm way happier with what, with God's vision with my life. He also knows much better uh, than, than me. And so totally. it's like, you know, anytime Aaron and I are dreaming together, we're getting together, we're, we're getting together with God. We're meeting, we meet intentionally weekly and then also two quarterly to just break away and be like, yeah, what's the vision for our family? What do you want us yeah. to do in this season? What are you calling us to do? And yeah. and everything we're in a very new season right now with like essentially three, like triplets that are three under three, which is just insane. And so <laughs> it's like, what are you calling us to do in this season? And it's just, yeah. it's beautiful. And I get to look around and be like, I can't, I truly cannot believe I get to be all of these girls' parents. And yeah. it's like such an honor and a blessing. And we've been on the adoption journey for four years. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you know, it, I was, I was bummed out at the end of it. I was, it was challenging. We dealt with, you know, 30 no's from an adoption. We dealt with a miscarriage. Um, and, and really we got our, our two girls and I just looked at them and I went, everything made sense. It's like everything came into my life, came into focus. Yeah. It was like, okay, God, like I'm an idiot, obviously. Like, sorry about this. I see now looking back, like yeah. these girls were available at this time. This is my yeah. calling is to raise these girls. And That's it's right. like, they were available then. And this is what the wait was for, was for this. And it's like, I just have such a posture of appreciation and gratitude all the time. And especially when I'm like, hugging them or with them or, and I just am like, I can't believe I get to be their dad. And I just love like that. God has invited, you know, we're all adopted. We're all adopted into God's grafted into God's family. And I yeah. get to like, I have the honor of being these two girls, parents, like this is insane. It's absolutely mind boggling to me. Yeah. So what's, uh, when you look at your blind spots and let's get very practical now as tools and or um, filters, criterias, success metrics that you use for yourself, things, disciplines that you use on yourself in the daily that uh, we could glean from. And also the blind spots where, you know, like this isn't best for me. This isn't good for me. You know, this is what takes me out. This is what disarms me. This is what makes me ineffective or you know, for if our success metric is we want to be the most fruitful in all areas, faith, family, finances, you know, you name it. What are the things that take us out? What are the things that amplify that? What are your go-to strategies that we could glean from? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think ultimately it comes down to like, what am I saying yes to? And more importantly, what am I saying no to? Um, and really like 
understanding that we have built filters. They're literally, I'm at my desk right now. They're in front of me right now. So I essentially have four different things that I have in front of me that I'm constantly using as filters to make decisions. One is that I just have my core values and it basically, it just describes my vision, which is to leverage my gifts to further the kingdom and populate heaven, love God, love people. And then all the other different things that just keeps me centered. So reading that mm -hmm. and just, mm -hmm. just, it's kind of like my mission statement and like who God has designed me to be. I have discernment questions that I ask when I, I don't have a lack of opportunity coming our way. It's really making sure that these are smart decisions. So I have mm -hmm. discernment questions. Um, I also have an, I know I'm being successful when list. And then yep. I have my filter for making high quality decisions. So That's like, it. I think it's what people don't see is like, no one makes faster decisions than Aaron and I, and we can execute mm -hmm. on it very easily. But what they don't mm -hmm. understand is that those four things that I like, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars and lots of time on with working with coaches to come up with those. Yeah. So I built sure. this filter, which helps keep mm -hmm. God family business in proper mm -hmm. alignment. And then right. that way, when an opportunity comes my way, I can make the right decision and I can't get emotionally upset about it if it doesn't come out the That's way right. that I want because I built this personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because the um, the success criteria and the filters for making decisions are so important because the older you get in life, the more people that you're going to know, the wiser that you're going to be, the more opportunity that you have because what happens with any leader is momentum. And momentum is a leader's best friend. And when there's momentum, it becomes a it becomes a magnet. So then you have all these individuals that are like either wanting to get something from you, or they're hoping to to glean or learn something from you, or run with you, right? And so there's those opportunities there. But for you as the leader and the criteria of what you're signing yourself up for, whether it be short period or a long period season, is to really ask yourself. What's the success criteria like you were talking about? You know, does this match my values? But it can be very uh, a subtle blind spot because back in the early days, you kind of sign yourself up for anything that you can possibly get. Yes. And with that is, let's say you've got 50 opportunities. You've got 50 opportunities you of which- all, You said yes to all 50. <laughs> you said yes to all 50. But what's really interesting, if we really looked at the truth about it, I would say 20 were yeses, 30s were noes. But we said yes, because we oversubscribed, we get ourselves thin, we get watered down, the enemy loves it. Hey, just get them busy, just so long as they don't bear any fruit, just get them watered down, they'll still be a believer, but we're third soil living where we're literally nose above the line, right? So then you start to restructure life a little bit, get life a little bit more organized, get things more dialed in, more success criteria. Now all of a sudden, here's the, here's the hard part, you're popular. You got momentum. You're a magnet. There's opportunity. Now all 20 opportunities are all yeses. Now it's what are the heck yeses? What are the ones like we talked about before are the ones that match my unique abilities, right? My top five strengths. My criteria is at least three of my five strengths. If it can hit three of my five strengths, match my unique abilities of what God's designed and wired me to do specifically. That's an unfair advantage and populates heaven. Bingo. Right? So there's a lot of things that I believe at this stage, as you have momentum, Brent, and where you guys are at now, it'd be really easy to say yes to everything. But as Shank even says, he goes, a, a leader truly gets known for the things he says no, no to. That's really what you get known for. What are those things that you can say no to? 
So as you think about leadership and for those that are watching and those that are um, viewing this thinking, man, how do I know the right things to say yes to? I want you to listen to Brent and, and even rewind and go back. A success criteria is key. Um, we've both listened to a, a wonderful book, The Gap of the Gain, 10X is Easier Than 2X. But that rowing team basically used, will it make the boat go faster in my own life? Will this help me become more fruitful? That's my success criteria. It starts there. Then it goes to Brent. Like Brent said, does it match my values? And if it doesn't match my values, all the rest of them are no's. Like I won't even go any further, right? Because you're like, if it doesn't match my values, I'm I'm oh. literally getting myself busier on a hamster wheel. So what would you say at this stage in your life then is the blind spots that can water your leadership down and take you out? If your goal is to stay in that 20% of your unique ability, what do you find now is the things that take you out of the game and has the potential to take you out of the game? Yeah. So I would say like, you know, I help a lot of ministries um, around the country with strategic advising. And like, I think everything, I agree with everything you're saying. And even within this capacity, taking a step farther and going, are when I'm looking at an opportunity, regardless of, of how much I'm being paid for, is this worth me investing in? Are yeah, these yeah. people worth investing? Are they poor soil mm -hmm. people? Are, am I going to be able to like, I, I ultimately want to be a ro rocket booster to what they're doing, help them not have mission drift, but like, are they going to listen? Are they going to execute? Do they have mm -hmm. what it takes to mm -hmm. essentially do these different things that, cause it's like, yeah, everyone's got vision and ideas and everything, but, it, but a lot of people don't know how to execute on it. And no, a lot of people yeah. don't want to do the work that it takes to. And so really like, I think when I'm looking, the blind spots are like, when I'm looking at an opportunity is really diving in to go, I know what I'm bringing to the table. I know what I can do. I've honed in on these different things, yeah, but like, that's right. is this organization, is this person, because I do want to be a rocket booster, what they're doing. I, I love people that have a very niche, like yeah. what they're doing. So it's yeah. like in a million years, I can never go do and reach the people that this person is doing, or these people are doing, yeah. but like yeah. I can come in as a marketplace leader and come in and help them what they're doing, create sustainability within their, their ministry, mm -hmm. help them stay in their lane, not have mission yeah. drift and be a rocket booster what they're doing. I'd rather do that. There's way like, that's a total mind shift that I was versus me trying to go and reach this audience. I'd rather just be a rocket booster to people that are already successful in what they're doing. They just need help with sustainability and with growth. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because um, the goal is to get our fruit to grow on other people's trees to help them become fruitful totally. and so that that, that cross-pollination of collaboration and fruitfulness and it's interesting too because um when you're looking at where you're going to go and, and invest your time regardless of how much pay it is um i don't care if it's a client i don't care if it's a project i don't care whatever and, and a ministry initiative the the goal is to think Will what I'm about to do with this person, entity, project, initiative, will this be providing royalty checks and dividends into forever, right? It's a wonderful way to, to, to think. It's like, hey, it's a one and done. But even if it's a one and done, will there be ripple effects from this time that I've been investing here? And I think it's a, a very great question for everybody to ask as you lean into your leadership and as you lean into the life that you want to design is it isn't about busy because God doesn't reward busy. He rewards fruitfulness and trustworthiness and faithfulness. And so 
we got to be careful that we are putting our unique ability and our talent in front of those that are going to one reciprocate to listen, but become fruitful with it. <laughs> you're oh, looking at it as like you're like you're injecting, you're planting your kingdom capital of your seed of your time into those which can then go and bear fruit. And that's ultimately what you're hoping to see, not just to get busy. And I would just say from my own standpoint, it's very similar to um, when you think about what Jesus was uh what Jesus was tempted with for those 40 days in the desert with the enemy, which is that the power, the prestige, the honor, the possessions, this whole idea of the enemy is at work at all the time with believers, especially leaders and marketplace leaders to say, Hey, if we're going to take out this leader, let's just give them everything they've ever wanted because they'll oversubscribe themselves. They'll just say yes to everything. They're not going to live in their unique abilities. They're going to feel busy and they're going to feel validated power, prestige, fame, notoriety, um, belonging, a sense of need. They're going to feel needed and they're going to be able to go feel like, oh, they need me. I'm going to go solve it. And that's a great blind spot, right? Oh, I'm needed. Let me go. I'm going to go live in a spot and sign myself up for some things where I'm more needed, right? And so that that blind spot was used on our on our father. And when I look at that, I go, man, Totally. That's the stuff that's always been the carrot of society and cultures to say, oh, no, let's just elevate this leader and give them everything they ever want. You ever felt that way, Brent? Yeah. And I think it just everything you're saying comes comes down to like what we were talking about earlier. What are my yeses? What are my net? What are, mm-hmm. importantly, what are my no's? And I think that yeah. like the more you can get clarity on these different things, the easier and understand your core values and these other different things, like the easier it is to make decisions. And then it's like the more fruitful these decisions are and you see it, you, you make the right decision and then you see the fruit of the right decision. And it's like, well, I only want to do that. Well, you, you're a, you're a, a master's program graduate, which I teach and we both live out and share these concepts and these principles on the daily um, really quick, give us 30 seconds on those that have considered and even thought about taking it or should they, and what would be some of the takeaways that you've gained as a result of it um, in terms of how it would benefit their faith, finances, business as a mission, um, kingdom assignment, career, uh, all of that, you know, just give us your own, your own takeaways from it. Yeah, I would say one is that like everything that you're talking about from like successful things that we are doing is because of things that we learned at master's program. That that was such a game changer. Aaron and I both went mm. through it. Like yeah. I went to Penn State. I went to a good school. I, I don't care about that education. It was a waste of time and money. I paid a lot of money to be in a glorified club. Um, I do love my football team, though. But um, <laughs> like what I learned in, in master's program is 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 absolutely unbelievable. And it was a million times better than anything I learned in school. And it's like, we are teaching pared down to our nine-year-old and will always teach her because we homeschool and we're always looking for teachable moments to essentially execute upon the strategies that we, that we learned and all of our girls go through it. And, and at an earlier age, I, I think my biggest bummer is that I did not take this earlier in life. Um, Dude, that's what everybody says. They go, um, why? I just wish I would have done it earlier. Yeah, I was the youngest person in my class while taking it. And I still was like, I wish I would have taken it earlier. Totally. Um, Totally. It was a complete mind shift for me. Um, And just like, I want to, I'm 
going to take it again. I'm going to go through it again because it's like, I was an idiot when I went through the first time I need to go through it again. Totally. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I'm jealous of you being able to teach it because you learn so much just constantly being in oh, that yeah. teaching it. It's amazing. That's right. Well, for the sake of time, you get to wrap it up with three questions that you'd like to fire towards me. Anything you'd like, could be one, could be three, but you get up to three. And then um, I'll make sure that the show notes has everything in, in, in terms of bio for Brent and ways you can get in contact with him. But uh, yeah, you get, you get your three. I'm nervous because right, so, I, so, okay, I know, I know, I know you. I'll be nice. I'll be nice <laughs> and okay, appropriate. Yeah, um, there you right, go. So, so being an older girl dad right now with Griff, who I, I mm. love and I just like, I look at her and I'm like, man, if my girls could turn out like her, like even oh. half of her, like that'd be unbelievable. So yeah. she's now in, in school, she's graduated high school and she's starting to really kind of figure things out. But you've also invited her into things that you're doing. And like mm. my whole thing with Rooney as a nine-year-old is like, man, like I, we have some silly businesses that we have together and everything that actually have done really well, but like, yeah. they're not serious businesses where I, I'm looking forward to what you're doing as you're trailblazing with her and going like, so I guess my question is like, what are you doing right now intentionally to cultivate your relationship that allows you guys to partner um, and partner oh, yeah. means on multiple different levels? Yeah. So uh, similar to, you know, JH does a wonderful job of articulating the stages of of adolescence and and kids being in transition from you know from from newborns to crawling to that whole process and that was so massively important for me because of where we're at now gives me a, a context to really help her win and quite honestly. I would probably be getting in the way quite a bit if I didn't have that criteria. We know that when they're newborns, you're the caretaker. We know that when they start to grow up and they're in their, you know, five to 10, you're uh, in this cop stage, 12, middle school, you know, you're in this coach stage, but then they're going to go into life and you become a consultant. Um, I spent way too long of my parenting in the cop stage. Just, mm -hmm. I think we all do. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I'm like, I'm 20 years old. You can't tell me what not to do. Right. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's that aspect of it. And, you know, I fall victim to that for sure. And I'm doing that because I care. And I'd rather, I'd rather go, I'd rather like be at my daughter's wedding and like be at my 60th birthday and my kids saying, you you loved us too much and you suffocated us more than being a ghost dad. Honestly, I would rather be mm -hmm. one more than the other, but I would say that we have a, we have, I, I respect them massively. I think it starts with that. Yeah. Um, we've had those talks. Um, if I respect you, I don't feel like I'm getting respect back from you. So there's that part of it. It's like, I remember having conversations saying, dude, if you want to, if you want to be treated like an adult, act like one. And they, they're asking for upgrades, right, on so many things. I'm like, dude, if you want it, act like it and I'll do it. But in the consultant stage now, I had to wait to be invited into conversation with her, like her saying, hey, let's go to, let's go on dad-daughter date and we're going to go to dinner. And and then being at dinner and she's like, I want your advice. I'm like, I heard a record scratch. And like everything <laughs> yeah. went silent. I'm like, what the frick? I'm like, are you serious? Dude? <laughs> yeah, like, who are you? So it was, it was, it, every parent wants to be needed. I, we, we know that you know, like, it's just inherited. like, we want to help. But with her, I just, the best way that I could do that, it was full integration. Hey, come help me set up for this event. Hey, 
men's fellowship actually is tonight. And it's like the whole family kicks into gear. And it's like, we're all hosting. We're all on hands on deck. It, it's our family ministry. Mm. It's not her ministry. It's not mine. It's not, you know, no, it's everybody's ministry. The house is our family business. Our house is a bed and breakfast that we run. And I trail the kids. I tell the kids that like you guys are helping operate this business as a family. There are things that you do, chores, et cetera. But with her, Hey, you have an opportunity. I'm inviting you into rare opportunity, like filming Disney events, doing all post-production. It matches her unique abilities with wanting to do film. You know, those are ways of full integration. And I gave them full integration, like at Rooney's age. So it's like right now, oh, you want to be treated like an adult? I'm going to give you an opportunity to act like one. You're going to pick up all these things and you're going to go serve coffee to all the people that I'm hosting. That's stage number one. I'm going to see how you did with that. And that then is going to graduate you to the next level. So integrate kids early. Don't wait till they're too old. Full integration, treat them like they want to be treated at that young age. That's a, that's a big help. Awesome. So um, anymore, the second question is how's your uh, diet sure. prediction going? Actually way off, meaning I've backed way down on that baby. So way more, uh, way more water, but back down on that quite a bit just because of the aspartame. Totally. Totally. All right. So here, this, yeah. is, this is a good question. So like, you're one of the most intentional people I know, and especially from like a feeling perspective when you're doing an event or hosting a, a gathering or even like the setting up of like furniture yes. and, stuff and different things. How do you, totally. how do you build that out in your mind when you are essentially building something that has a feel that you're wanting someone to, to, to feel, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a great question. And the, 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 here's the hard part. Some people are totally cool staying at a courtyard Marriott. I'm not. They just need a bed. <laughs> you know, some people can just stay at a stay in a bed. Other people want to be able to have something that's got a little bit nicer, but then there's other people that want to have things way nicer. Some people are totally impacted by aesthetics and the feel of the receipt and the quality of the pen and the mood lighting and what temperature the bulbs are and like all of it. I am like I feel savantish where I'm overly sensitive to absolutely everything to, um, I don't know, like in terms of environmental spaces, I just figure if I wanted to have people experience the Holy spirit, a part of that is my expression through places, sounds, sights, feels, smells, the whole nine. Now, if I can build all that into an environment and an experience, whether it's a workshop, whether it's hosting people in the backyard, whether it's having somebody stay the night, how would I want it? Well, I know how bougie I am. I want it (laughs) freaking bougie as possible down to like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite creamer in the morning? Like all those things just as like, that's a hug and a cup. That's a hug and a glass. Like it's just one more layer of making feel things, making things feel extremely special and intentional. Um, and I nerd out on it. Such, I love going to places for it. it. You do such a great job at it. Oh, I, I just appreciate it when things are done. And, you know, my friends bag on me in a fun way, but they're like, dude, it's classic. You know, they'll complain all day and bag all day, but they definitely love the benefits. Oh, totally. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? They're like, dude, the food's rad. It's going to be a beautiful, yes. like, but if you, it's my saying, if you're going to do something, do it right. Totally. So do it with excellence. That's it. That's what God calls to do. Well, that's awesome. I know. I uh, I just want to say thanks, Brent, for coming on the show. I know we'll do this again, but um, you know, connect with Brent, watch him, view him, um, watch how he and Aaron and the kids set the pace. 
going all in, the cost of admission. He's living tangible proof that it's worth it. And uh, he's such an inspiration. So Brent, thanks again for coming on the show. Everybody leave a comment and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much.